Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of obedience, which leads to righteousness. The phrase respect of persons implies favoritism, while the word righteous means to be in right standing with God. And to be in right standing with God, you must have faith. You must believe what he has to say and you must obey. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 says this, And Samuel said, Does the Lord have such great delight in burnt offerings and in sacrifices as he does in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And to hearken unto his voice is better than to present the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because that thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, then he hath also rejected thee from being king find this interesting because in the New Covenant, we're all given the opportunity to be kings and queens, but the conditions really are the same. Our simple sacrifice is to trust enough to obey, to know that he will give us the grace if we will come in humble submission and faith and ask him for it. Nothing shall be impossible to those who believe. We just have to come to the source of of a power that is greater than any impossibility. Paul tells us in the New Testament that everything that was written in Scripture was given for our example, our learning and our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. There really should be no division between the New and the Old Testament because the church that we read about in the New Testament actually only had the Old Testament, so the truths that they drew from it are just as relevant For us today, we just have to know that the things they were prophesying forward, much of it was fulfilled in Jesus, but they were still saved by faith because they had faith for it that it was coming. We are saved by faith looking backwards at what Jesus has done, but also forward to the resurrection and New Jerusalem, the fulfillment of the promises that were given to Abraham that we were brought into by covenant and engrafting through the blood of Jesus. So therefore, let us look now at the lives of both Saul and David, where we see two men who both made mistakes. We see David making even what seems to be to us a more grievous mistake than Saul. That while for the sin of keeping the spoils of war, the kingdom was stripped from Saul, David actually had blood on his hands and yet was forgiven. It would seem at first glance that maybe God does show favoritism. But no. 
There's something far deeper happening, and we need to understand it. You see, there was a big difference between Saul and David. And it wasn't their sin, because all sin brings a separation from God, no matter how big or how small. But rather, the difference between them was their response or their reaction to being confronted with their sin. When the prophet Samuel went to Saul with correction for his disobedience, he got stubborn about it. He blamed everyone else. He saw the fault all around him, but he didn't own up to it. He wasn't grieved over it. He tried to justify it. Yet when the prophet Nathan went to David with correction for his sin, he listened. He was broken about it. And he sought the Lord for instruction with a repentant heart. He was concerned more about losing the Holy Spirit than the rewards that he got from its presence. Saul was only worried about losing the kingdom. His heart was for the blessings, not the one giving them. David's was for the one that they were coming from. When we look at this story for what actually happens, we can see that one of the main differences between Saul and David was that David was correctable because that his heart's greatest desire was to be obedient to God above all and that it broke his heart when he failed to do so. You see, while God did not show unjust favoritism towards David over Saul in these situations, his divine favor was upon David and was stripped from Saul because that David valued being in right standing with God over the spoils of war and royalty and above all the desires of his own heart. Because of this, he was always either in right standing with God or trying to get back into right standing with God when he realized that he had strayed from it. To be in right standing with God, we have to obey God because that's what faith does. It trusts. It allows him to direct where we stand in all things, in all circumstances, and in all situations. And when we mess up and get off track, we must humble ourselves as David did and allow him to redirect us. To put our feet back on the path of righteousness. For only then will his great favor fall on you. And you then be able to do all that he has called and created you to do. If we are not standing right where he is telling us to stand, then we are not in his right standing where his great favor is, but are in fact walking in our own righteousness. What we think is right. What makes sense to us in the moment. And that's pride. And unbelief that it will keep you out of the promise. So seek the Lord in all things that you might come to understand his perfect will and walk therein, where grace, favor, power, and protection abide.
right by the side of the Lion of the tribe of Judah, our great mighty warrior king. Paul said of some in Romans chapter 10 verses 2 and 3 that he bore of them record that they did have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, in other words, what God says is right, had been going about trying to establish their own righteousness, what they thought was right, and in doing so had not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God, what God says is right. Now, why is it so important to be in right standing? Well, first of all, the Bible is very clear that only the righteous get into heaven. But even right now in this present world, we read in James chapter 5, verse 16, that the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man, they avail much. I hear it all the time. People say, God gave you a mind. Use it. No, my friend, that's pride. You have a choice to lay down your own logic and to walk in the wisdom of God. But the beginning of the wisdom of God is fear. To recognize that there are consequences to not trusting the leading of his spirit, to thinking you know better than he does, that you can see farther, that you are smarter than the enemy that is laying traps all around you for you and your family. It takes time to seek the Lord and get answers. It takes dedication and devotion. The enemy will do whatever he can to distract you, to entertain you, to obligate you, to fill up that time, to take your eyes and your focus off of Christ. Because only he has the answers to what's truly right. And in order to stay on that path of righteousness, we have to come before him. He shed his blood to make this available to us, that his Holy Spirit might be released to speak to us, to reveal all truth to us, to expound upon the scripture with revelation and understanding, that we might know how to respond to every circumstance and situation that we are facing, not in our own flesh or righteousness, but because that we have sought after God's righteousness, we can have confidence that we will be victorious. Don't be influenced by men, by people's opinions, by family or friends, by preachers or TV evangelists by co-workers, by peers, by doctrines of demons. It's time to approach the throne of grace. Jesus made a way. Confess your sins. Repent. Be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And then enter in and ask for the Holy Spirit to speak, give you direction and instruction and righteousness. And then no matter what it seems like in the moment, trust it. It's for your good. It's coming from a God who loves you and gave his only son to restore fellowship with you because he wants to help you. It is his goodness and his kindness that leads us to repentance. He's not angry with us. He wants to help us to avoid 
all the plots and plans and snares of the enemy. Don't let pride or deception or distraction or busyness rob you of this great opportunity and blessing and provision that God has made available to you to sit with him, to sup, to visit, to receive of his righteousness. Because you see, in and of ourselves, we have no righteousness. We will not do what is right. There is a scripture about a king in the Old Testament, and it says he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord because he set not his heart to seek the Lord. By default, we will be deceived. Even with good intentions, we will not do the right thing. It's only Jesus in us that can do it. So take the time to visit with him and be instructed that you might draw of his righteousness. He knows what's right. He's always victorious. So if you want to walk in victory, then lay aside your pride and vanity. Say, not my will, but thy will be done. I don't even claim to have any wisdom of myself, but I do fear the consequences of walking in my own righteousness. And I know, Lord, that that is where wisdom begins, because that is where mine is laid down and yours is sought after with all abandon. Because as the scripture tells us, that without faith it is impossible to please God, and that those who come to you must come to you knowing that you are God and we are not but also that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And that if we lack in understanding, we need only to ask you, and you will make a way to answer. Give us the faith to seek and the patience to wait until we see, and to not run with things that come in the quick, or trust in our own vain imaginations. But to know that you are good, and that you love us, and that you want what is best for us. So, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. You give us godly, righteous instructions. Seek him and trust what he says, because sometimes he says rest. Sometimes he says get up and go do this or do that. Sometimes he says just trust and believe and wait on me. Sometimes he says open the Bible and read. Sometimes he'll tell me listen to a sermon And then it will explain everything that I have been seeking to learn from him. Sometimes he'll tell me, just put on a song and worship. And then the breakthrough comes as his presence invades and takes all of the confusion away. You see, Jesus came to restore fellowship, a right now present tense relationship with God. If we for a moment forget that or take it for granted, we're going to be deceived by the enemy who is more than willing to bombard us with all measure of counterfeit answers. He will cause us to think that we know what ought be done, but all the while he's just leading us down the broad path into greater confusion and eventually damnation. Lay down your pride, what you think is right. Seek the heart of God. Trust and obey. Stand on what he has said and is still saying, because he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
and he has no problem reaffirming and confirming his words. He tells us to test the spirits. He tells us to seek him with all of our hearts. He is very patient and long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, forsaking their own righteousness and receiving of Jesus's. Because Jesus only did what he said was right. Jesus said that he would release the Holy Spirit who would come and would speak to us only that which was given to him. It will bring us revelation and truth and understanding and direction. But you got to stop listening to every other distraction. And you got to stop making excuses about why you have been failing him. Because the truth is this, is that Saul messed up because he listened to the people and he listened to his own lust. But he didn't own up to it. He blamed everything else. David realized that he had failed. He confessed it. He repented. And he was grieved by it. And then he trusted what God said and was obedient. It's that simple. God doesn't show favoritism. We will receive the same judgments if we meet the same conditions. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.